I want to be strong, to have the flexibility and confidence to play soccer with my kids or volleyball on the beach. I want to feel energetic and spontaneous with my husband. I want my body to feel the freedom to move and enjoy life, to hike Yosemite, surf in Hawaii, bike to the beach, to have fun with friends and not be limited. I want to do things that love my body, to feel and experience all the sensations of life. I want my body to be a force in nature that overcomes difficulty and resistance. I believe in health and wellness and daily consistent exercise. Marina Kessler is a pelvic floor physical therapist. She's an orthopedic clinical specialist as well as a doctor of physical therapy. She specializes in obstetrics, postpartum care, visceral manipulation, and all things related to bowel, bladder, and sexual health. Today, Marina will be giving us tips to prevent incontinence and how to improve sexual awareness. So you've been practicing physical therapy for 25 years. What drew you into this field? A lack of fear, wanting to know something that was not conventionally treated in the realm of physical therapy or known to physical therapists as much. And uh, I would say one of my colleagues that I worked with who worked with uh, men and women with urinary incontinence, um, I listened to his lecture one time and became very interested and then uh, time went by, and um, some of the female physical therapists were not really um, going to treat the patients for one reason or another. And he came up to me and um, offered to start seeing patients with incontinence issues. And little by little, it all developed into something that I do every day and enjoy treating and helping people. What kind of patients do you see? I see women with urinary incontinence, fecal incontinence, constipation, um, female pelvic pain, patients who have cystitis, endometriosis. I see pregnant women who are doing well with their pregnancy or have orthopedic problems during pregnancy. I consult them on labor and delivery and definitely see a lot of patients in postpartum rehabilitation period that require a lot of care. Um, I basically see patients throughout the lifespan starting from childhood to 99 and above. Um, yes, I work with children starting age four or five because that's when continence is considered uh, as one of an adult. I definitely also work with men that do have issues with chronic pelvic pain, uh, fissures um, that are seeking rehabilitation after radical prostatectomies. So the range of patients is very wide. Hmm. So as you work with patients, what do you do? I evaluate them. Uh, there is a pretty rigorous intake interview that uh, I go through. And I ask them about their bowel and bladder health, um, about their sexual health, about their general health, 
about their habits, their fluid intake, and uh, based on that, I design, I would use that word, my evaluation, I tailor it to their needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how the first session usually goes. What's the most common complaint that you have for women, say between the ages of like 40 and 60? What typically would you say women tend to come to you for, maybe postpartum 10 years? Very good question. Um, The most common complaint is, I would say, they know that, let's say, that the incontinence happens. It really bothers them. And it's almost like before they were ignoring it or they didn't want to deal with it, but they realize that something needs to happen, something needs to change. So it's kind of the first cue for a woman. So if they start leaking urine maybe with activity or whatever, that might be a first thing that they might see their doctor for. It might, yes, on occasion, you know, Mm -hmm. they may let it go for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And when it really starts bothering them and when they realize that it doesn't go away, it gets worse, Mm-hmm. Then they start seeking medical help, and they're being referred to pelvic floor physical therapy fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah. Our physicians are quite, quite proactive. Mm-hmm. With that. So with these, so just women, I think a lot of us are not aware of what is happening in our pelvic floor. Would you be willing to just talk about the anatomy? Um, it does feel. And I'm sure you have lots of theories as far as why women aren't super aware of their pelvic floor. Maybe we just haven't been educated or, but putting all that aside, which we could have a conversation about that too, could we talk a little bit about anatomy of the pelvic floor? Yes, the pelvic floor muscles are located inside the pelvic cavity. So if you think of the bony pelvis as a bowl, Uh, The pelvic floor muscles are on the very bottom of that bowl, and they're also shaped in the the bowl shape themselves. They're in the very bottom, and uh, the reason that they're there is that they support the organs of the lesser pelvis, such as urinary bladder, uterus, rectum, small intestines, and all the blood vessels and the nerves that go in there. So they have a very important supportive role, um, they are doing their job very quietly, and ideally, they shouldn't give a person any problems. Um, The pelvic floor muscles, they begin, most of them begin at the tailbone in the back, and they actually attach to the front, to the pubic bone. So the tailbone health is extremely important because that's where the spine actually begins. pelvic floor muscles are interesting muscles because they are skeletal muscles, but they also have involuntary fibers in them that make them work uh, involuntarily when the situation arises, when you have to stop the urine flow or uh, when you have to keep the bowels in. So there's a reflexive 
reflexive? To, to an extent, to okay. an extent, there are about 30% of involuntary fibers in them. Um, also, another interesting thing about the pelvic floor muscles, they're shaped as semicircles and circles. Uh, they are what's called functional sphincters because they are on the brink of where the rectum becomes an anus and they're sitting right there, or where the urethra, the, the final frontier of the urethra, this is where the transverse um, pelvic muscles sit. They're very small. They're almost connective tissue fibers. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see their shape and their function, how it all ties together. So why are these muscles important? They support the organs of the pelvic cavity. Uh, I think for a lot of women, this is a very, very important concept to understand that it's not only the abdominal muscles and the spinal muscles that offer that support, that we have some muscles on the bottom of our pelvis that give us that um, supportive function. They enable us to urinate and defecate, to put it simpler, to pee and poop, and they are responsible for the sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. So, and to talk s- about that a little more. Yes, and to say um, to also another huge function is the ability of these muscles to stretch during the labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, as the cervix widens to 10 centimeter in width, so should the pelvic floor muscles being able to stretch to that amount of width. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. So just for a visual for women, if, if we think about, you know, muscles ex- elongating, so muscles elongating, muscles shorten. Yes. Um, and to think about that in that region of our body, it's hard to conceptualize. It's hard to conceptualize. Sure, sure. Uh, and in the office, I have female and pelvic uh, plastic models where I show where the muscles are located. But if you think of the hammock, mm-hmm. um, muscles would be the hammock. When they're being shortened or when they're active, they actually lift up towards one's head. Mm-hmm. So that would mean mus- that would mean muscle contracting. When they're elongating, they will be in the shape of the hammock again. So they really need to um, stretch out and be these have this convex convexity to the outside about them and okay. concavity to the inside. Mm-hmm. And can you explain the layers of muscles? There's three layers. Yes, the superficial layer is. Um, consists of the superficial pelvic muscles in the labia that are responsible for the clitoral orgasm, Uh, the external anal sphincter that is responsible for keeping the feces in, along with the internal anal sphincter that is actually not uh, under our volitional control. The next layer is um, sort of like the middle layer where the urethra is controlled by the musculature. And the third layer is the sort of like the the beef of the pelvic floor muscles. They're called levator ani. Those are the muscles that sit right next to the internal organs, and they offer the most um, important supportive function. Uh, Sexually, they're responsible for the vaginal orgasms. Okay, thank you. So as we think about these muscles and why they're important for us, could you give us a couple 
ideas about how we might run into issues if we don't think about these muscles ever. So if someone's listening and they've never thought about the pelvic floor, what possibly could happen for someone if you just never think about them? You don't think about them, you know, for any reason. Is there any, is it okay to not think about them? Or is this something that you think women, uh, it would be a good idea? I mean, I'm just thinking just general public listening. Why are these muscles something that you might want to think about? What issue could you run into? You could run into all sorts of things. You could run into issues of what's called urinary retention, where women stop and go the urine when they urinate. Uh, You can um, run into issue of not being able to go to the bathroom and defecate because you don't know how to open the pelvic floor muscles efficiently so that the uh, fecal material can come out. Um, And definitely intimacy. Uh, Are the muscles opened enough for the intercourse to happen? Are they strong enough for the orgasms to be achieved? how that translates into the flexibility of the vaginal wall. All of those things are, uh, you know, so so it's really hard when you go about your day to think about your muscles unless your um, toileting habits and intimacy habits are ideal. Who has that? No one. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So help us to think about, you know, because we do, we pee, we poop, we have sex, you know. Um, So there are lots of opportunities to become more aware of the pelvic floor. Could you give us, let's start with tips for a healthy bladder. So what could women be doing to, you know, in their daily activity, what would you recommend? Let's start with the bladder. Yes. Um, excellent uh, question. Starting with the bladder, the best thing that I would recommend is women should pay attention how often they urinate throughout the day. It should be in the interval between two to four hours. Um, When they sit down to urinate on the toilet, they actually should sit, not squat over it, and just let the urine flow out not stopping and starting the urine flow. That way they will be able to eliminate most of the urine um, and not trying to get every single drop out because in the healthy bladder, there should be around 20 to 30 milliliters of urine left. Okay, and how much fluid are we supposed to be drinking a day? Thank you for that question. Uh, the amount of fluid is based on the body's weight. So it should be half of the body's weight. So if someone weighs 150 pounds, they should be drinking 75 ounces of fluid total. Okay, why is that important? Why is it important to not, let's start with drink too much. I think for me, I before I learned this, I was drinking, I think, about five of my 32-ounce hydro flask a day, and I didn't realize that wasn't healthy. 
<laughs> so why is that not good? If you're drinking more than 24 milliliters, 2400 milliliters of fluids a day, you are bound to um, over overextend your kidneys. So your kidney function is going to be affected. As a result of that, because the bladder is part of the uh, urologic system, the bladder will be um, just in extreme amount of stress or distress. Mm -hmm. And the, your body, does it needs water, but it never needs that much water. And why is it important to wait two hours, two to four hours before? What? How is that going to help your pelvic floor muscles? Because the bladder fills every two to four hours. So there shouldn't be a need... Uh, ideally speaking, to run to the bathroom every hour or every half an hour. And is it possible that you could have weak muscles because you're always emptying, you're always, your muscles yes. never have to hold? Right. right. They can neither open or hold properly. Yes. If that, that will, that will um, in the end, translate into weakness. Okay. Yes. And then you mentioned squatting, which I know a lot of women do when we use the public toilet because you don't want to sit on the seat. Um, why is that bad? Why is that hard on the muscles? Because you cannot uh, open your urethral musculature fully if you're not sitting down low enough. When you're squatting, you're hip muscles, your hamstring muscles, are actually uh, through the overflow phenomenon. If they're bent, if they're on, they're going to tell the pelvic muscles to be on. They're not going to tell these muscles to relax. So if you do that a lot, it's possible you could be uh, building a very unhealthy habit for your pelvic floor muscles. So yes. when you say go pee, your muscles should open and let open. you do that. Yes. Okay. Wonderful tips. Thank you very much. Let's move on to the bowel. Yes. Tips for healthy bowel function. The most important tip is healthy eating. Mm -hmm. That's a tip number one. And we could have a discussion on nutrition and eating all by itself mm -hmm. uh, because the consistency of the bowels makes it possible to have effective bowel movements. Uh, besides that, for the on, for the muscle point of view, when one sits down to have a bowel movement, uh, it is recommended to put your feet up on the little stool so that the knees become a little bit higher than the hips and uh, to have a straight posture, not to slouch when you're pooping. Okay. And then also straining. So... Um so, yes, so straining, uh, you can avoid straining by breathing out and saying the sound, ha, and ha, visualizing the pelvic floor muscles widening at the same time. Hmm. You can have your hands on your thighs, kind of placing your, your whole palm on your thighs, but not slouching, sitting straight up, or you can put your hands above your head. And all those things are helpful. Yes, extremely helpful, yes. And how long should someone sit? Uh, in, in the bathroom? No more than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, it is recommended no more than 10 minutes because of all the 
multiple reflexes at the anorectal uh, area that are happening during the bowel movement. Okay. Very good. If you still feel that you have to defecate, but it's been 15, 20 minutes, it's better for you to get up, get out of the restroom, then come back within within a few minutes. That's great. Yes. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, these are really helpful things, I think, as we age and we, you know, start. I mean, these become very important. important. Yeah. And I would add that these habits are to be taught to children. Mm-hmm. They're young. We don't want to wait until we are teens, young adults, middle age. We want to start teaching, teaching the kids those healthy habits right away. Younger. Yes. Thank you. All right, let's move on to tips for sexual health. How would you help a woman become more aware of their body to help improve sexual pleasure? I would start with allowing a woman to actually look at her genitalia first, to have a mirror, to to locate where her labias are, to uh, open them, to see the vaginal opening so that she has a visual portrait of what is about to happen. I would start there. Um, How do you help someone become comfortable with that? Because, I mean, I know everyone is so different, but it is an interesting thing that it is our own body. And I would say... A lot of people ha- have not done that before. Yes, yeah, so How it goes you... with the body image. Um, it's a big, big, big question to to even tackle. Um, and I usually recommend that women start touching and start looking at their thighs, their groins, um, just standing up at, at the pubic area, pubic hair, um, and then as the time start goes there. by, st- start there. Yeah, okay. but it really has to do with the body image. Uh, they have done a study on the body image issues, and every woman who had negative body images about their genitalia had some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the way they thought about themselves translated into some sort of uh, impairment in the lesser pelvis. Yeah, I think we have a real um, opportunity with women being, you know, being a physical therapist, being able to help a woman yeah. feel comfortable in their body, appreciate yes. their body, love their body, um, much. and to, you know, allow women to really be in their body being in their body and whether you are seeking intimacy or not accepting accepting the body the way it is and loving it as a whole uh is very important concept in um in acceptance the the physicality of things Mm -hmm. you know just what do you do when someone's very uncomfortable with looking at themselves. I think that's a great tip. I just want to further explore that a little bit more. If someone really I think really you, you want to try to focus on the body part that they're comfortable with. Mm. 
and then maybe exposing it to the uncomfortable uh, level. Okay. You know, starting maybe with the arm or with the foot. Mm. I would just start there. So something that's completely unrelated. Mm-hmm. Yes. And slowly, hopefully moving towards towards more private areas. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so your first tip is uh, to have a woman look at their yes. area first. Yes. What would be another tip? Another tip is to allow her to let the muscles relax and open and accept. Hmm. Accept the intimacy, accept whatever device or the partner that she is with, um, allowing that to happen. That would be the next tip. Okay. Because with that, the fear is replaced by pleasure. Hmm. And uh, the pelvic floor muscles that are evolutionally have been trained to be closed upon the sexual encounter, they don't feel threatened. Um, And of course, having said that, we want to be (laughs) sure that the woman is not in any type of threatening situation or abusive situation. So I kind of say that with with the with a grain of salt because of uh, a lot of things that uh, have been happening and uh, they've always been happening. But it's just when when the situation is right, when uh, it's a consent consensual relationship, that's the time to actually let the body let let the muscles go. Let the guard down when you're in a safe. Yes. When when you're in the safe environment, environment. only mm-hmm. only. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. to be able to mm-hmm. assess that. And yes. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And okay. we always, always talk about that. Yeah. And that doesn't even have to be a person. It can just be an object. Mm-hmm. You know, when we are uh, training women who have pelvic pain to starting to use the dilators, it's the, sa- it's the same. Um, it's the same issue of allowing and accepting and not being frightened by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When a woman needs to stretch Absolutely. the muscles. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. yes. Very good tips. Any yes. other tips for sexual health? Uh, lubricants, <sighs> things do you recommend? Are there any types of things that you Yeah, I would use lubricants about? only when one's uh, own lubrication is already not sufficient due to menopause. I would definitely use that. Uh, on the other hand, however, I would recommend doing the perineal massages so that the lubrication can be evoked. Let's by talk about itself. that. What is a what is that type of massage? It would involve stretching of the pelvic muscles, but it also would involve the stretching and working with the superficial pelvic muscles that are right underneath the labia. And right behind them, the Bartholin glands are located. Those are the glands of um, female ejaculation, and those are the glands that are actually producing the fluid, the lubricating fluid before the intercourse. So the labia, Mm -hmm. women might not know what that is. Oh, the outer lips. The outer, like the soft tissue. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. And then how would you do that? How do you, is it like different for every person? Well, you, they would have to be instructed. Okay. Okay. By that a physical therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Or by a sexual sex therapist, sexual mm-hmm. medicine physician. Yeah. yeah. Depending on what they need. Very good. Yeah. Any other tips? Um, when there is no pain, when the pelvic floor muscle is weak, it is a very good idea to strengthen them because pelvic floor muscles will improve the intensity of the orgasm. So the stronger pelvic floor muscles you have? The stronger the orgasmic intensity is going to be. Okay. They're responsible for it. Okay. So thank you for those tips. Tips for bladder, bowel, and sexual health. My All of pleasure. those are wonderful things that I think listeners can get started on pretty immediately. Yes. Thank you. So for our listeners and um, who may be experiencing some of these things that you're talking about, they want to become more aware of their body, what kind of symptoms would a woman be experiencing that you would say, yeah, I, I really would recommend you to see a pelvic floor physical therapist? Yes. So those would be any type of urine leaking with any of the activities, coughing, sneezing, laughing, playing with children, going to the gym, doing the workouts, uh, any type of... Uh, poop incontinence, you know, if they see a smear. Um, Also, if they can't really go to the bathroom very well, that would be another symptom uh, to seek our help. Um, Any sexual dysfunction, pain with intercourse, low libido, uh, low ability to achieve an orgasm, um, great way to see a physical therapist. and also, if someone is recovering in their postpartum, or if someone has, uh, is going through pregnancy, just to have a consultation on, on prevention of any type of uh, labor and delivery injuries, that would be very helpful. Uh, I haven't really mentioned that much about the pain, but any time a person experiences pain in their low back, in their hips, in their pelvis, uh, they could actually see a pelvic floor physical therapist because a lot of times we can rule out which are the problems that are purely orthopedic and which are the problems that are pelvic floor related. Okay. So if someone would like to see a pelvic floor physical therapist, how would they go about doing that? In the state of California, one is supposed to see a physician first. Uh, and then the physician would refer the patient to a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, most women would go and see either a primary care practitioner or they would go through a urologist or gynecologist. Mm-hmm. Um, any, so any type of uh, urogynecology, colorectal specialists, um, Beth, you mentioned uh, that a lot of women don't have good awareness of their pelvic floor muscles and they're not able to connect their symptoms to the time or the point in their life when they have to seek help. 
I have a great story uh, to tell you. I saw a patient recently who came in with the symptoms of the urgent continence, meaning uh, she would leak when she would hear the keys in the door as she would come in at home, uh, at her home. And I started uh, asking her questions during my interview, and it turned out that she had urinary leaking with coughing and sneezing. She also uh, was not emptying her bladder completely. She couldn't defecate completely. And uh, I was explaining to her that the pelvic floor muscles really are at fault for that. And uh, she had trouble um, and pain during sexual intercourse, and she really didn't have um, great orgasms at the time that she was married. Um, the more I was asking her questions and leading her with my questionnaire, the more fascinating it was becoming to her to find out that it's due to the pelvic floor muscles that so many symptoms in her life have occurred. She also had uh, a few children and she had pelvic organ prolapse when the organs are falling down. So she just could not believe how important taking care of those muscles should have been done. Of course, you know, no one is going to go back and, and uh, uh, bring back to all what already happened. But it was really a great revelation for this particular patient um, as, as well as for many other uh, female patients that we see. The impact that the pelvic floor muscles make on someone's life and the lack of awareness that one has about this body part and how much, unfortunately, this lack of awareness leads to the symptoms that this patient has or many other patients have. This was really remarkable to me as a provider because I work with so many patients and I do it so much that it becomes a, as a routine. But when you really see someone that was so incredibly uh, educated on pretty much the concept of the pelvic floor health, we didn't even get to a treatment on that first session because the only thing that I was doing, I was educating her on the anatomy of the pelvic floor muscles, where they are, what they do, what, what they're for, what's important, uh, kind of like along the lines that you were asking me, that she got all the treatment that she needed. It was actually healing her to find out more and more about her own body. That's really it was, good. It was very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. She was extremely happy when she left because I basically narrated her own life story. That's really good. Yes. Do you have, like, books that uh, someone could read? I mean, I hate to send people to uh, Google, but just, and I would probably not recommend it, um, but just maybe a little pamphlet or I can put in the show notes um, the pelvic floor class that I went to, actually they had some really nice material that we could purchase. Um, so maybe I'll just add that in, you know, if you really want to go on Amazon and buy a little um, booklet about, you know, your what are pelvic floor muscles, just really kind of the basics. Uh, I think uh, if 
uh, yes, Grace Dory, a physical therapist from the United Kingdom. Um, she has very entertaining and interesting books about different functions of the pelvic floor muscles. I'm not sure if you can get them on Amazon, but maybe okay. looking up under Grace Dory's name. Um, we ha there, there are tons of books. Um, Amy Stein, a physical therapist from New York, she has a book on heel pelvic pain. Mm -hmm. uh, then Stephanie Prendergast uh, talks about pelvic pain explained, but there are more specific books on pelvic pain. But for okay. general, public, I'm just thinking, you know, yes. if someone is interested um, in, I would start with Grace Dory. If you okay. can. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a proprietary or, mm -hmm. or not, but her books and her little pamphlets that she makes for patient uh, education are actually incredible. Yeah, thank you. Yes. I think that's really helpful. Yes. And I think for, you know, hopefully uh, as people listen, they'll want to become a little more aware Definitely. of their pelvic floor and yes. what the pelvic yes, floor muscles do. So thank you for being here uh, as we close. Would you uh, just tell us about three healthy practices or habits that keep you healthy? Thinking about you, uh, your whole person. What do you, what do you do that helps you maintain health and wellness? I make sure that I sleep. Um, I sometimes have some trouble sleeping so I make sure that I wind down in the evening I don't watch um, the computer I don't work on it or on the phone I just turn everything off I read to my daughter and uh, I think that's a great way to actually get a good night's sleep because a lot of metabolism and the protein building um, syntheses are happening at night and um, if someone has issues with pelvic floor muscles, lack of sleep will actually um, affect that. Um, I eat healthy. I know I have to lose some weight, so I definitely am embarking on um, not really a vegetarian diet, but really healthy diet, you know. Mm -hmm. um, no bread, no pasta, things like that. Mm -hmm. No alcohol. Mm -hmm. Not that I drink. Mm -hmm. um, another healthy habit. I uh, practice what I preach. I sit down on the toilet when I'm in public. Um, I go with the recommendations that are given. I lean forward when I urinate and I sit straight when I, when I defecate. Uh, I do that because mm -hmm. I know how important it is. That's very good. And uh, another habit that is ever-present in my life is breathing. I practice breathing a lot. Uh, breathing is an essential part of the pelvic floor muscle exercises and strengthening, and it's uh, an essential part of the core strengthening, and um, we can talk about it uh, next time. That, that's what I do. Thank you. Thank you for being Thank here. Thank you very much. And sharing this and just letting us know from your wealth of knowledge and years of experience and it's extremely valuable information thank you thank you beth very much this is my first podcast i'm extremely excited i've wanted to do it for years and years and years increase the awareness of 
pelvic floor health and increase awareness for our profession as physical therapists, what we can do to help uh, women out there to conquer um, the dysfunctions that they're coming upon. Thank so you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. All right. Balanced by Beth is a podcast to inspire women to live strong. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personal medical advice. Hey, Barrett Soup here from Be Seen Company. I'm the producer of the Balanced by Beth podcast and have been working hard behind the scenes to get these podcasts out into your hands. We've gotten to hear so many great stories of people moved by this content in this podcast to live healthier lives both physically spiritually and emotionally if you have been directly influenced or know someone who has been influenced by this podcast and would like to become a supporter to keep this content coming would you consider visiting beth's patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash balanced by beth that's www.patreon.com forward slash balanced by beth